I'm Miles, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of romance novels. And I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to help make it hurt a little less this time, but we'll see. <laughs> I appreciate that. This is a bit of a different one. <laughs> different experience this time around. Welcome to the next wrestling fan, After Earth. Welcome to the Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. In this case, mainly just feels, although honestly, not even really those. <laughs> but we'll get to it. This is the third romance novel bonus episode of the Next Wrestling Fan, which Bob received after earning 10 points on the Cheap Pop Quiz for the third time. We are covering a book called Ice Planet Barbarians which is a sci-fi romance novel, and um, we should probably talk about the fact that this is not the book we were originally going to cover. We were going to cover the second book in this series, which is called, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, Barbarian Alien? That is correct. So we were going to cover book two. That's the one Bob really wanted to cover. But I thought, and Bob agreed, that I should really read book one first if we were going to do book two, because it's like, it's not just like book two of one of the... Regency era things yeah. where you don't have to learn like the rules of the world and stuff because it's just, you know, whatever. Like, you could read the governess game without having read the Duchess deal. It's oh, fine. Like, easily. it doesn't matter. But with this one, it's like you kind of really need to know what the world is and how things work and what these aliens are like and, and all that. So, and because these books are so short, we didn't think it would be a problem where I would just like <laughs> be able to read both of them, you know, in fairly quick succession. Unfortunately, that ended up not being the case because I was just really not into this book. Miles is allergic to things that are bad. <laughs> so, yeah, it's we'll talk more about it as we go on, because I actually think this is a really interesting conversation. I did not think it was very good for various reasons. Yeah, there's not just one to choose from. There's yeah. several. And as a result, I had a really hard time, like, getting into the sex scenes, and I just had a hard time in general, and it took me a long time to finish it. We were going to record this weeks ago. It took me a long time to finish this book, and then I was like, all right, I'm done with this one. So now, I was like, now I'm going to see how fast I can get through Barbarian Alien so that we can cover that. Like, because Bob told me that Barbarian Alien was was better. That was, And I had assumed it was, you know, that was one she wanted to cover. Um, and, and maybe it is. I wouldn't know because I could not get through it. That's okay. I, I'm really sorry about that, Bob. I understood going into this that this was going to be a you're into it or you're not into it kind of thing. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. I appreciate that. I did try. Um, I, I went along with it for a while. And at a certain point, Bob had given me the option by this point. She had said you could tap out if you want to. And uh, I, I tapped, guys. I submitted the referee rang the bell yeah. on this series for me. So, <laughs> we are going to cover the first book, because that is the one that I read, <laughs> that mm -hmm. I finished. And then Bob is gonna is later going to do something special uh, regarding the second book. She's going to get some people uh, on a call together that actually have read the book and enjoy it. And she's going to have a much more positive, uplifting conversation that we will have for you at some point. 
uh, about barbarian aliens. We're going to try and understand why we like these bad, horny books. So with that, I want to pave the way for Miles' mansplanation, because, guys, normally I would have a little thing prepared to talk about this. But for this one, uh, there is nothing I can say. Do you know what I mean? There is <laughs> nothing I can say. So with that, Miles, mansplain away. So, uh, first off, I just want to throw down a, a content warning. Um, yes. There is going to be some discussion of sexual assault as we move forward. So, if you are not here for that, that is completely understandable. Uh, just turn off the podcast now, because it's part of the book. So, this book goes back and forth between two POVs, and naturally, they are the two leads who fall in love. So, Bob, I, before we begin, I just want to ask you this real quick. This book differs extremely from the other stuff we've read in terms of genre, in terms of tone, really in a lot of ways. But so far, I have yet to encounter a romance novel that isn't structured around the first person perspectives or even third person, but like the direct perspectives of the <laughs> two main characters. Is this just a thing they all do or are there romance novels with a different structure? I think there are ones that are different, but whenever you get into ones that are really experimenting with the structure or they're trying to do something more removed from the two lead characters' perspectives, then you're wandering over into either something very experimental or you're wandering into what would be called kind of literary fiction mm -hmm. that just happens to have romance in it. And like once you get into that, then you're into books where people would scoff if the book was described as primarily a romance novel. I see. Do you feel that the like the two lead narrator structure is kind of important in the definition of a romance novel? I don't know that I would say it's important, but I would say that it is expedient. Okay. And in a book in which you are trying to get the internal perspectives of two different people, you kind of have to do it that way if you are going to have any tension between the characters, because what you can't do is have the characters just have a frank and open discussion about whatever it is, because then right. there's no tension. And so Definitely. you have to have one of the characters go, oh, my God, I can't believe this asshole. And the other characters say, oh, I can't believe this asshole. And right. then you get why they don't like each other initially. I mean, that's my preferred flavor, but, you know. Okay. Okay, cool. I, I think the reason I'm asking is just because when I went into this, I was kind of expecting, even though it's like so different, like tonally in genre, I was kind of expecting more of a departure. And I, there's another element of that that we'll talk about later. But I was surprised at how easily I was able to recognize the kind of core romance novel bones under the, the blue skin, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we start out from the point of view of Georgie Carruthers. She is a 22-year-old woman who has been kidnapped by aliens alongside a bunch of other 22-year-old women. It's like a uh, little green man in the flying saucer, very, very boilerplate alien mm -hmm. abduction stuff. Uh, the women are all kept in a cage with little in the way of comfort. They've all had tracking devices placed in them, and one of them has been given a translator so that she can, like, help the others follow orders, basically. Which, you know, that makes sense. That's fine. Yeah. And apparently these are, like, the extras? Yes. The aliens picked up these six other women 
and they're being kept in a, like a stasis whatever, as I'm going to call it for the rest yeah. of this thing. It's a stasis whatever. And like, I guess while they were doing that, they were like, oh, she also looks nice. Let's grab her, too. So mm. uh, Georgie and these others are kind of the ones that are considered expendable because they're not the ones being kept in like stasis, like like unconscious in a pod or something. Yeah. None of them really have a personality, except mm. for Liz. Fair, fair. Liz is a farm girl from Oklahoma. She's kind of the one that we get a lot of the backstory from because she's the one who fills in Georgie with all the details. We also get, I believe, a French woman uh, named Dominique who they pick up after they pick up Georgie. Yeah. And she's the one who ends up like making too much noise and uh, getting raped by the aliens at the beginning. Yes. And I want to make very clear that that is a weird thing in this series. It is the only time something that horrible ever happens in the 20 something book series of this. That is very interesting. And I don't know what Ruby Dixon was thinking. It is alien to the series tone in many ways and i hate it and i don't know what the why ruby made that choice it's very weird to me Mm, yeah um i agree with i mean definitely i didn't read anything else that was like explicit rape in the series Mm -hmm. i do think there's there's a weird kind of overall like sense of coercion in a Mm. lot of the stuff that happens Mm, yes, we will get into that because there is there are some tropes here that are either your flavor of ice cream or they are not your flavor of ice cream, I think, in many cases. Yeah, so uh, it's it doesn't feel to me quite as uh, out of place, but definitely you know nothing else like this happens in the rest of the, the books. And you warned me about it ahead of time, which I appreciate. Um, yes. and I'll, but I also did definitely hate it. Oh, yeah. I think there's a place in stories for that, like. I would never say you should never talk about sexual assault in stories, but this just seemed really gratuitous and Mm -hmm. like it doesn't need to be here. All it really does is it conveys the message that these aliens are evil and I fucking hate it when sexual assault is used that way. It happens all the time. I agree. There are so many other ways that you could convey that a person is the villain without having a woman assaulted and it really bothers me. Um, and she's also, as it turns out, she's also the only named character in the entire book who dies. And that's just not a great look. I also found that really frustrating. We'll, I, we'll come back to that, I think, in a while. Did not, did not care for it. So Georgie tries to get the other girls to fight back against the aliens. And they're kind of into it at first. But then when it actually comes time to fight the guard, who's like this big basketball headed guy. <laughs> yes. The way that. Ruby Dixon uses sort of mundane objects and ideas to describe things in this world. I go back and forth on it because on the one hand, like it makes sense to me. Like Mm -hmm. they start calling the planet not Hoth at one point. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like you're modern people who know what Star Wars is. That's your first frame of reference for an ice planet. I understand that. But at the same time, it kind of makes it also come off as a little bit silly and like, I think that's fairly common in modern romance novels, by which I mean ones that are set in the present day. Mm-hmm. So they have to kind of acknowledge that it would be weird if people didn't have frames of reference yeah. that were explicitly modern. And that can be a real turnoff. And I don't read a lot of modern stuff for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways, Ruby Dixon's writing bothers me less because she lampshades it so heavily. 
Well, and I also feel like she probably didn't care that much about this part of the book. Like, it's really clear that she spent a lot of time and put a lot of attention into developing the ice planet and the people who live there. And everything going on with that is, like, really, like, lovingly crafted. Yes. And this part is just like, okay, how how do we get them there? I can't just have them wake up there. Like, so, yeah, I guess there's, like, aliens and... uh, they're little and green, except for the ones that are big and have basketball for a head. It's yes. like, okay, whatever, it's fine. Ruby Dixon has priorities, and it is <laughs> watching these women get to fuck hot aliens, and I yeah. respect the fucking hell out of her for having Me her too. priorities in order. Me too. And I, I really feel like I can't knock her too much for this section because I feel like she didn't care. She was like, I'm, "It's they got to a planet, okay? They crash the fucking ice planet, just go with it. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. So, uh, yeah, when it comes time to fight the guards, most of the women, like, chicken out and don't do it. But that's okay, because suddenly the cargo hold they're all in lurches to one side, and Georgie uh, manages to get a hold of the guard's gun and beat him to death with it. It's yep. pretty baller. It was. Then the cargo hold drops out of the ship completely and crashes onto an alien planet, because apparently the alien, I'm gonna go with sex slavers are dropping the women off at a safe location and are going to come back for them later. Which, on its face, seems like a really bad plan because this planet they're on is a frozen ice planet and the women who survived the crash at all are still banged up with broken bones and, like, there's no food or anything, so they're probably all going to die. Yeah. But, again, they don't really matter. It's the six women in the stasis whatever that actually matter and they're going to be fine, so these women are, as mentioned, expendable. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And so, realizing this, Georgie decides that she is going to go out and try to find, like, help or food or anything, really. She's, like, the least injured among them. I think she has, like, a wrist injury, but she's okay. And and I I have to make a note here. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot that you could note, so I'm very curious what you've decided. It was about at this point in the book that I realized for the first time that Georgie was a woman. Ah, yes, this. Ah, yes. Because she made reference to her breasts. Uh, Okay. I don't have any excuses for this. I just read the name Georgie and pictured a man. And the narrative never went out of its way to say she was a woman. And also, the beginning is kind of like, and I get this is stereotypical, but it's kind of like, I was just sitting in my home lounging lounging around and eating lean cuisine. And I'm like, that... If you're if you're somebody named Georgie who's watching TV and eating lean cuisine until you pass out, I'm sorry. It is a male image coming to mind. So like the whole time, I'm carrying on with this assumption, like way after it should have been obvious, because Liz is going like, "Yeah, let me guess, you're also 22 years old and not pregnant." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, he's not pregnant. What are you talking about?" <laughs> And I'm getting increasingly frustrated because I want the author to explain to me why this random dude also got picked up. And I'm like, why won't you tell me why he's here? She won't fucking do it, Bob. She wouldn't tell me. I can't imagine how confusing that must have been for you. (laughs) I I am still baffled at how you even proceeded in the series having that in your head. Because I... I would be like, well, I have to give up now. Like my <laughs> fundamental assumptions about this world have been challenged, and now I have to, I have to go leave. She like straps on the gun, and she's like, the strap, the strap fit between my breasts or something. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now it makes sense. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas if it was a male author, you would have known it was a female character immediately because there would have been descriptions about how her breasts hang exactly. Absolutely. And I honestly really respect that fact that like she was able to do that because I totally didn't. You know, and I it made me feel kind of bad of myself. Like, Jesus, I'm just assuming, like, gender based on, like, a common male name or whatever. So I was like, wow, I kind of got I kind of got caught. Ruby Dixon kind of called me out and I don't oh, hate man. it. But it did kind of, like, start me off on a weird foot with the book, which I'm not sure how much I contributed to everything later. But um, anyway, so Georgie goes out into the cold looking for basically anything that can help them. She ends up finding some weird, like, scary fish. Yes. That have bamboo stalks attached to their heads. Yeah, I can't picture it. I don't, I know (laughs) nothing about what anything in this world looks like, basically. (laughs) And I kind of don't care. It's just not that important to me. I'm like, oh, it's a thing with a bunch of teeth. All right. And it kind of has a way of luring people in. Uh, That's, uh, that's all I needed. It's like an anglerfish kind of, right? Yeah, it's like, but for the surface, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're like, they're, I think there's like these like hot mud flats or something or like mud springs yeah. or anyway, there's some water and she goes to, she's like, oh God, water. And then there's like, oh my God, anglerfish. And so she runs away and she loses her gun and she gets caught in a hunting snare and gets like drawn up into the air upside down. And she, I think she passes out from that. Yeah, right? I think so. And then she is found by Vectal. Yep. Who is a big blue alien with big horns and glowing blue eyes. What a beautiful baby he is. Uh, he... <laughs> I'm sorry, Vectal cracks me up. Just like... <laughs> like, Georgie is kind of a nothing character in that she doesn't have, like, a ton of character traits. Mm, yes. But Vectal is, like, completely a nothing character. <laughs> Vectal, we meet him. He, uh, so he's got something called the Kui inside him. Yeah, that's about how to... It's K-H-U-I. I don't Kui? really know how to say it. Kui? 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 I don't know. But Kui is fine. Later, they start calling it Kuti, and it... It really upsets me. And yeah, I, I don't like it. I hate that. Honestly, one of the reasons I had a problem with book two is because it's constantly being referred to as a cootie. And I'm just like, can we not? There's a word for this. You yes. people live here now. Anyway. Yeah, I. you're not wrong. Yeah. So she's got this thing inside him. It's going to be explained later. But basically, as soon as he sees her, it begins to resonate. And apparently, this is what happens when these people who are the Sakwi, the Sakwi, whatever, find, like, their mate for life, is that they start to resonate. So he's like, wow, this is an alien creature, and I am now in love with it because it is, I don't have a choice, it's my mate for life. It's basically like imprinting from Twilight, which is another thing that I hate. Not Twilight, I mean, (laughs) although I do hate certain things about Twilight, but one of the things I hate about Twilight is the imprinting bullshit. But whatever, yeah, so, like, the reason that Vectal is such a nothingburger character is because the first time we meet him is when he sees her for the first time, and from that point on, his only character trait is being into her. Like, that's, that's it. That's the only <laughs> thing we get from this guy. And you know what, Miles? That's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Is it, though? I mean, look, it depends on what you want out of the book, I guess. If you're looking for something other than just, like, this dude who's super, super into this, like, woman who is filthy and disgusting and, like, has been living through hell 
like I I just want this super hot guy to go like what a babe. Well, that's fine, but like okay, my question is in that case, if that's what you want, why give him point of view chapters? Why do we need to be in his head? It makes no sense. There is literally mm-hmm. I guess it's for I, world building purposes. Yes, exactly. Bingo, you got it. Yeah, I mean I that does that's fine. But still. <laughs> I know. I know, you're not wrong. Vectal is is the least interesting of the big blue aliens. And Georgie is the least interesting. Well, not the least interesting. There are some books after this that are less interesting. But <laughs> I don't remember them, so it's fine. <laughs> anyway. Um, so he takes her to a cave, uh, mm-hmm. he takes off all of her clothes, and he starts performing oral sex on her. Miles, that's <laughs> the ideal meet-cute. I don't know why you're complaining. I, I'm not, honestly. Um, <laughs> like I said, there is a thin layer of coercion over this entire thing, over all of this. Yes. She did not consent to having yes. oral sex performed on her. And, like, he is gonna have sex with her after that. Like, he makes her orgasm, and then he tries to have sex with her, and she has to, like, push him off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, is cultural whatever, I guess, but, like, I still don't love it. No. No, I don't love that part either. Well, so so tell me about this trope, because we, we talked a little bit. There's a trope that you like, which I think you referred to as, what did you refer to as, like, sex pollen or something? Yes, sex pollen. Um, This kind of has the sex pollen trope built into it, which is basically that sex pollen is usually a fuck or die trope Uh that is used to coerce characters who might normally wait longer to have sex or who might not necessarily ever admit that they like each other. And so in like a fanfic world, you end up with something like, oh, there was these trees that makes everybody horny. And then their characters are like, <gasps> and they're like, no, the only way to get it out of your system is to have sex. And so these two characters are like, oh, I don't like you. And then they're like, oh, but if we're going to bone. And then, <laughs> and then everybody's delighted. I love that because I love an unlikely pairing. And sometimes the only way to get an unlikely pairing to happen is outside coercion, which it is coercion. I'm not apologizing for that. I fully own that's what it is, but I love it because I love how it forces these two things to like find a way to work together. And so this is very that, and it's also a soulmates trope, which I don't love soulmates as much, but it's kind of combining a soulmate trope with a sex pollen trope by going like, Yes, you have this thing that tells you that this is your soulmate, but also it just makes you insanely horny. Yes, it does. Okay, so here's where I stand with with those things. I just wanted, if, if you don't mind taking no, a bit not of a at detour. All. So, like, there are variations of the sex pollen thing. Like, there's that one episode of uh, Star Trek. Oh, yeah. The original series where they go to the planet and there's, like, the spores and they, they make everybody, like, indulge in their fantasies or whatever. And, and mm-hmm. like, specifically it makes, like, Spock ignore his Vulcan training and actually like experience emotion and like be open to things that he's been suppressing his entire life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting. And then in terms of like the soulmate thing, it can work for me if it's supernatural in nature. Mm -hmm. I have a really hard time buying it when it's like, Oh, here's the scientific explanation. And there's really not a scientific. It's like, well, there's this, there's a parasite, or I saw this parasite, it's a symbiote, um, mm-hmm. 
just having it in you, there's a natural process by which it helps you find the one person you're supposed to be with. And I'm just like, that's not a thing in nature. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like it in, in this series, but I find it, again, it's expedient. It yeah. in, ensures that nobody is fighting over anybody else, really. And it ensures that you get characters paired up very tidily and easily and you can just hand wave it and say, yep, that's why they're together. Which I I guess is good yeah. from the perspective of like, we don't want to deal with that. Like these books are not about that. These books yes. are about the fucking. Yeah, pretty much. That's what they're so, there for. Because these books are about the fucking, we want to build in this nice handy out so we don't have to do things like, you know, jealousy or like two people fighting over somebody or like that kind of shit. We don't want to do that because we just want to get to the fucking. Yeah, pretty much. Like if we're not discovering what a spur is, what are we even doing here? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I knew what it was when it first happened and I just wasn't internalizing it. And then when you find out what it is, I'm like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just don't think this, this whole trope thing is really for me. Um, I understand that. We'll talk more about that later, though. So I want to say that the other thing about Vectile, besides the fact being super into Georgie. So after she pushes him away, he tries to have sex with her. She's like, no. And that, I think, is when he first, like, really realizes that she's hurt. Mm hmm. And upon that realization, and this is the part, this is the first, like, my first major fucking eye roll of the series, right? He does the fucking thing, and this is also the other thing where it's like, oh, this is every other romance novel. He mm-hmm. does the fucking thing where he's like, I saw her flinch away, and I realized that somebody in the past had hurt her, and I wanted to find them and murder them, because she's mine, and... It's been in all of them so far, even yeah. the fucking Eris effect, which I thought was it was completely out of place. I know, with one. Oliver, you're sort of like, mm, Oliver's <laughs> never had that feeling in his life. You're not going to do anything, man. <laughs> hey, you're going to write a strongly worded letter. That's why we yeah, love you. Stop exactly. pretending to be this person. It's just starting to bug me a little bit. Is, yeah. it, is it in all of them? I'm probably the wrong person to ask because okay. I consume them very casually and I'm very rarely looking for are they doing the same thing i I just ignore it so it never twigs to me in the way that it might to you Mm -hmm. it also doesn't bother me that much i don't i'm not interested in it but it doesn't i i don't have a reaction to it in the way of going like oh this right well i think it's also it doesn't help the fact that like that's kind of becomes the basis for their relationship is how protective he is. And like, yes, when she falls for him, aside from the fact that she finds him extremely hot, which I, which I'm fine with when she falls for him, it's more like, Oh, I just, it was nice being taken care of. You know, the, Mm. the, the, the big guy was a little bit overprotective, but you know what? I'm here on this planet trying to survive. And it's nice to have somebody to do things for me. And like, I get it again. It's just not, It kind of bores me. I will say that on this planet where a lot of things could kill them and they are not the size to protect themselves. Oh, And also the snow is like hip deep that I'm like, I'm willing to pardon it pretty well for this. If you want to be protected anywhere, you want to be protected on an alien planet where you pretty much can't walk through the snow. 
It makes total sense. I'm not saying it's out of place. It's just not thrilling. It's kind of eh. Again, you spend so much time in Vectel's perspective because of the world building stuff. And I I found it getting really old. Like, I I found really like his attitude toward her just becoming kind of tiresome. Anyway, I'm not going to go over every event that happens, but like after the oral sex and and the, you know, he realizes she's hurt after trying to have sex with her. This kind of begins the process of the building of their relationship. Um, They start trying to figure out how to talk to each other. She's, he starts calling her Shorshi because, you know, they're start trying to pronounce each other's languages. And she kind of starts to fall for him a little bit. Like, she doesn't really start falling for him a little bit later. Uh, shortly after they first meet, um, they, like, go to the river and they start, like, bathing or whatever. There's kind of a legitimately hot moment here where she basically promises to fuck him if he'll take her back up the mountain where they crashed to, like, save her friends. And he doesn't really understand that there's more of them. He just knows that she wants to go back up the mountain. And there's a very nice um, teasing seduction scene on her part when they're in the water together. And he's like, all right, cool. Whatever the fuck you want, honey. (laughs) I'll take you to any mountain. Which I can relate to. Yeah, I mean, as we all have been. Yeah. Uh, so they go back up the mountain. There's a bit, she like goes off on her own and falls into a hole and she gets surrounded by these weird ape monsters. Metlax. Metlax. Yeah. Which he has to rescue her from. So then they have to hole up in a cave and wait out a snowstorm briefly. So they have like a whole day together. And this is, this is like the really big, the the first really big sex scene, Mm -hmm. which again, kind of unclear as to what changed with her. But I think, She's just really, like, is grateful to him for having saved her from the Metlax and kind of for taking care of her. And she just finds him really cute. And, like, honestly, I can't... Like, the way that he's described, I would probably fuck him, too. Like, I know, right? Yeah, and I want to talk more about this a little bit later, but, like, he's a really interesting alien who seems really attractive and I don't have any problems you with that part of the so story. You sound so pissed off about it. What? Like, you sound so resentful of the fact that you're like, ah, yeah, you're no, pretty no, no. fuckable. <laughs> no, I'm trying to give her credit for it. Like, I, oh, think okay. she, I think she found a really good way of, like, it's like, yeah, this is an alien, but, like, those horns, though. Yeah, right? A blue skin, those big blue pecs i'm like all right all the right, fact Richard that Dixon. his skin is like a chamois yeah absolutely and there's ridges everywhere Ooh, for her yeah. pleasure <laughs> so they continue back up the mountain like after this like fuck session they're much closer and uh this is where they find uh, dominique dead in the snow apparently mm-hmm. she tried to leave the ship and got caught in the storm again like why was this character even I here know. This is one of the reasons why I didn't really want to cover this book, because this book is like, to me, is her her rough draft before she actually figures stuff out as a writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to gloss over it either. Like, it's shitty and bad and it's unnecessary. It's like going yeah. out of your way to do a thing that you're like, and it's a bad thing. I'm like, OK, why? And again, I think it's like I think it's just kind of a carefully placed moment to really emphasize the danger they're all in from the elements but like oh, yeah i didn't think we really needed that like i was pretty no. much willing to buy that they were not going to last very long on a freezing ice planet with no supplies and no food yeah so it's kind of like the the sexual assault at the beginning where it's meant to kind of reinforce something that i didn't need to be reinforced 
it's like writer's first write. Do yeah. you know like yeah. you're just going, I don't know how to, do, I don't know what the audience will do and what they won't do. So I'm just going to put it in just in case. And then, you know, the more experience you have, the more you're like, oh, I don't actually have to do that. Is this her first book like ever? Um, unclear. It could be, but I, she's a best-selling author somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, we don't know who Ruby Dixon is. We know nothing about Ruby Dixon. Ruby really? Dixon, it, yeah, totally secret. As far as I know, my best understanding of it is that Ruby Dixon is a best-selling, like New York Times best-selling author for something else, but we don't know what it is. And Ruby Dixon ain't going to tell us because Ruby Dixon doesn't want it out that, that she writes Ice Planet Barbarians. So she is like some other kind of respected author who is doing this on the side. I guess. And so to me, it's weird that this would be in here, but I also can see like, if this is your for funsies project and you don't give a shit, then you're just like, fine, I'm doing this because it's expedient and it gets the job done. I don't care move on to the next thing. All right. Bring on these ridged tongues and like this, <laughs> these like chamois skinned babes. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And so I, I, like, I don't think it's secretly Nora Roberts, but I don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, is it Stephen King? We just don't know. Right. I want to know if it's like Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood. Yeah, absolutely. Fucking it's Harper Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So they find the rest of the women and they give them food and clothing to help them survive. But Georgie and Vectel decide the best thing to do is go and find the rest of his people and form like a legit rescue party. Yeah, they need it bad. Yeah. Uh, on the way, they uh, they take a stop over at a place that turns out to be the ship that originally brought Vectel's people here. And Georgie is able to download their language into her brain, basically. And... um Later, several of the, the Sakwi do the same thing with English, so we resolve the language barrier, which is fine. And this is kind of where we everything starts to come together. So the whole deal with this whole Kui thing is that this planet is basically deadly. You can only be here so long before you die from, like, something in the atmosphere. I think it was, like, increased nitrogen levels or something. Yeah, something that's real bad for you. So the Kui is a symbiote that lives inside you and protects you from the planet's effects. Uh, it also helps you heal. Um, it makes raw meat taste good. Yeah. Uh, it gives you glowing blue eyes, and it starts purring like a cat when you are near your life mate. And also, it never does that unless there's a possibility of pregnancy. So uh, we find out later that Georgie's probably pregnant, um, which, you know, she has a an immediate kind of like the reaction you should expect. Yeah. Especially considering she has some dialogue earlier when they first have sex where it's like, well, at least you can't get me pregnant. Oops. <laughs> um, so Vectal, we we already know this, that Vectal is the leader of his tribe, but there are very few women. So the fact that the Sakwi can resonate with humans is pretty exciting for them because a lot of them are uh, do, do not have mates. Um, and there was also like we find mm -hmm. out there's a thing with with uh, Vectal where he was into this woman from his species that we meet later but then she like resonated with something someone else so they had to like split up of course these women uh don't have kui inside them so not only can they not resonate back but they're also going to die soon if they don't get one and but once they get one they basically have to stay here because i think the the kui like can't survive off planet 
Yeah, I don't understand what the hell that's all about, but I don't know. I, yeah. I never remember or care because the point is to be on this this sex planet. So yes. I don't. Yeah. So I was like, why would you leave the sex planet? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so they find the rest of Vectel's tribe. They meet a few of them, including Rahosh, who is uh, one of the protagonists of the next book. He's such an asshole. He's a bit of a dick and he's definitely an incel, but whatever. How dare you? He's a monster and I love him. <laughs> uh, Georgie spends a little bit of time with the woman we mentioned uh, who was hooked up with Vectal earlier, who is a healer, but she can't do much for Georgie without a queen inside her. And I feel like this is also one of the moments where Georgie kind of gets closer with Vectal and she's kind of starting to like, you know, get more into the idea of staying here forever with this guy. And so then we get another sex scene between them. Uh, we get a we get a blowjob scene followed by a sex scene. Oh, yeah. Um, so they all blend together. <laughs> and then they gather the, the boys. And they head out to rescue the girls. Uh, they all meet up at the ship. Uh, people start resonating pretty much immediately. But like they're not saying it's like unclear who it is because they're, yes. they're, they're, they're trying to be like, I guess, modest about it. I think they're just going like, oh, man, we're going to get in trouble because we we have to take care of these people and like get them quee before anything else can happen. So like, right. all right, yeah, all of our symbiotes are crazy horny, but we just have to like keep it under control, guys. Just keep it under control. I do think it'd be a little weird to be like, be there with all your buddies and like, oh, hey, it's happening for me, guys. Oh, it's not for you. Oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. Um, yeah. God, can I make it better for you somehow? Hold on. I'm just going to have sex real quick and I'll be right back. <laughs> so, uh. The women confer and they decide to accept the Kui and stay on the planet. Uh, they end up digging out their like tracking implants so that the aliens can't, the slaver aliens can't find them, and they leave them at the ship. They also tell the Sakui that there are six more women in Stasis Whatevers, which just makes everybody really super happy. Yeah, because there's six more of them, and they like thaw them out too and <laughs> tell them what, just tell them what's going on. Vectal and his hunters they bring down this giant like monster called a. Sakotsk? Yeah, that's the best pronunciation I have for it as well. Yeah, uh, and they cut open its heart to remove the Kui inside, which are these like kind of glowing blue worm things. Georgie is the first to accept hers, and she blacks out for a minute. But when she wakes up, her eyes are glowing blue, and hey, she is resonating for Vectal like a motherfucker. And as you mentioned, Bob, that does not just mean that you are soulmates. It means you are horny for them. Yes. Um, like, even more so than she already was. We learn that uh, while Georgie was passed out, Rahosh uh, ran off with Liz, mm -hmm. the sassy Oklahoman. Uh, <laughs> and that is the hook for book two. It's so good. We then get one more sex scene with Georgie and Vectal now that they are both resonating for each other. So that's great. Um, and in the middle of this fuck session, the evil aliens come back, but then they just kind of, like, leave again, because they can't find the women. They come back, and they, like, leave again, and Georgie's like, they're gone, we can have a life together, because they'll never, they'll just gone. And, uh, Georgie and Vectal continue boning, and, uh, we find out that the, the spur is for butt sex. <laughs> 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 Which, again, I had suspected, but, you know. <laughs> it's always nice to be right, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's so that you can do the butt sex and the vagina sex at the same time. <laughs> that's, what it's, that's why it's there. Well, they were trying to make the case that, like, oh, it's like the little thing, like the clit stimulator on the rabbit vibrator. And I was like, <laughs> uh, all right. Sure. Uh, I'm not wild about this as, like, a 
biology thing, but okay. Yeah, it's a, it's certainly a very interesting um, evolutionary right? prerogative that these these creatures have developed. <laughs> but you know, that's fine. I'm not upset about it. Uh, yeah, so they just keep fucking, and presumably they're going to be fucking for the rest of their natural lives. Uh, and you're not wrong. They're going to have a baby and stuff. So yeah. Miles, thank you for that mansplanation, and um, I feel like I have a, a read on this, but I'm going to ask nonetheless. How did you feel about this book as a whole? Didn't love it. Okay. Didn't love it, Bob. Um, <laughs> I, I was just really bored, mm. and being bored prevented me from from getting into the sex scenes, which is a, which is a shame because like I feel like they are really hot if you're into right? it. You know what I mean? Like, I was reading the sex scenes going like, man, I wish I was, like, into this because this seems like it would be really great. But I just, oh, I don't know. I I get it. I don't it. know. I feel so bad. No. You know, your quee just didn't resonate for this book. It really, my, <laughs> there was no resonating for this book happening on my end. Should we get into the sight sounds and feels of romance novels, Bob? I would love that. All right, Miles, tell me, what did your elf eyes see? So I kind of touched on this earlier, but I just want to expound on it a little bit. The design of the Sakwi is really cool. There's like visually, like, I just think it's a really cool alien. Like, I think it's a really cool looking species, very well described. I like the way that the facial structure is described and the way the horns go back and like, I like the blue skin and the, you know, even the Kui thing like doesn't make sense, but like... Mm. It's cool. Like I said, it's a cool design. Like, I like the idea of it. I would have done it differently. I would have made it so that it's not like a soulmate thing. Mm-hmm. But like the idea, I like the idea of like this alien species that came here from somewhere else that needs this uh, symbiote that's native to the planet to survive. And then it gives them glowing eyes. And like, I think the the, you know, the genitalia is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, yeah, I, I just... I really want to shout out Ruby Dixon for doing a great job of at least giving me the image of this creature. And like, I understand that it would be sexy. Yeah. Like, and I just think it's a really, I I enjoy picturing it in my head. I think it's a really cool looking alien. Oh, they also have tails. We didn't mention that. Oh yeah. The tails. I forgot about the tails. Yeah. It's just like a really, you know, kind of like large and powerful, but also very graceful kind of species. I just thought it was really cool. So, Bob, what did your elf eyes see? (laughs) The fucking spur. It makes me laugh every time. (laughs) So, the whole point, dear listener, of having sci-fi romance is for weird genitals. If you're not doing it for that reason, already you have failed. You failed. failed at the first hurdle. These genitals are, it's your, your basic dick and balls scenario nothing too crazy now the dick does have ridges which is right. very important so that way you know it's not a human dick but that's <laughs> you have to differentiate that very early on the other thing that they have is they have a spur it's called it's sort of like a bone thing but it's covered in skin above their cock and it is presumably for clitoral stimulation 
the unclear no because the female aliens in in the sakui don't have like they still really enjoy sex and they, they still have orgasms but they don't have like a clitoris oh, really? um no they don't because like the aliens are like oh they have a third nipple that's weird what's that for oh yeah they get that it's like a sex thing but they're also like why do you have like a weird sex button like it seems like a weird design choice why not just have orgasms whenever you have sex? And they're like, no, it's a sex button. But the fucking spur kills me every time. The spur is just so that you can do stuff with both holes at the same time. It's, well, it's but fine. the spur doesn't feel like anything to the guy. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's for her pleasure, I guess, is what the spur is for. Yeah, this the spur is great. I have no problem <laughs> with the spur. <laughs> Look, we're all in on the spur. This is a pro spur podcast. <laughs> I am okay with it, but you know, eh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just find it funny because, like, for a while, the discovery of um, doggy style is like a theme in all of the books. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's multiple times whenever somebody's like, oh man, butt stuff's all right. And you're like, <laughs> Okay, books. Like, <laughs> we don't need to have this discovery every time, but it's fine, I guess, to do it. So there were like four books in a row where that was a thing. Fair enough. I just wanted you to know this, Miles. I appreciate it. I appreciate this it. This book series, Ruby Dixon really wanted people to know. She's out here trying to do the Lord's work about this. <laughs> like, uh. So, Miles, there's not a whole lot to choose from, but there are some real gems. What did your Vulcaneers hear? I mean, they're basically all Liz lines. She, in general, has the best lines. Uh, she's got the most, like, personality of anybody. My personal favorite was when they're talking about whether or not Georgie could be pregnant. And Liz says, a Great Dane can still make a Chihuahua pregnant. Guess which one you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the Sakui are seven feet tall. Yeah, I just in general, her dialogue is fun. I enjoy her just, like, constantly ribbing. Georgie for mating with the alien and then she's like no dude whatever I fucking I fucking understand and if he'll give us food then I why should I care yeah so yeah so that was what my Vulcaneers heard I, her in general but also I, I appreciated that line so Bob what did your Vulcaneers hear this line fucking destroyed me Victal is just like going to town on Georgie like it's cunnilingus for days guys cunnilingus yeah. for days the line that Georgie has in her head as she comes to and realizes that this sexy alien is eating her out is, it wasn't a monster come to eat me. It was this monster who's come to eat me out. And you're like, <laughs> oh, God, that's so bad. I wish I'd written it. I wish I'd written it. And so, Miles, what did your human heart feel? I think, honestly, the biggest thing I felt over the course of this book, I was really disappointed with the second one. I, I want to use the space to talk about this real quick, because mm -hmm. I was really hoping to enjoy the second one more. And the second one is the story of Rahosh abducting Liz. She doesn't want to accept the queen. She doesn't want to do the whole symbiote thing. And he makes mm -hmm. her do it. And then he, like, kidnaps her. Because they're not going to like that he made her do something because Vectal is very much like the, he, these, these weird humans are super into consent. So, like, you know, don't do anything against their their will. So he's basically like kidnapping her and he's going to keep her kid, kidnapped until they have sex or something so that he can impregnate her. I don't remember exactly. 
But bottom line, she's got this thing in her now, and she, of course, immediately starts resonating for him because he started resonating for her. And even though she is, like, not actually into him, this symbiote inside her is making her be into him. And I want to make it really clear that I totally do see the appeal in, like, the whole abduction thing. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who are part of, the you know, local, like, kink scenes, like, yeah. BDSM shit. Like, I'm not saying I'm not into that shit. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying, like, I don't see the appeal. I'm not saying anything. But in this instance... The thing with, like, I don't like this guy, but this alien parasite is making me horny for him. Really, really didn't love it. Mm. Also, I didn't like her as much in the second book as, as I did in the first one. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. She's super obstinate about, the, and like, the whole, like, not getting the, or the symbiote thing, like, the qui. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I felt from the first book that she would be the kind of person that is extremely practical about her own survival. And if you were like, hey, this is what you need to do if you want to live. And, like, they even talked yeah. about it and everything. I don't know. It didn't make sense to me that she was, like, squeamish about that. So I know. The squeamishness was weird. Yeah. So, like, and Rahosh is just kind of a dick. And I don't know. It, there, there's a lot of, like, we don't like each other, but we're gonna fuck anyway and like he thinks he's a monster because he's all like battle scarred and ugly and she thinks he's mean and he's all kind of mopey about that and i just i just really wasn't into it and i was really kind of like i was sad like i wanted to be into that book a lot because i knew that you liked it and i wanted to be able to do a much more positive episode i wanted to really get sucked (laughs) in you've already passed the part that delights me to no end in that book so i which which part the part where they angrily masturbated each other. I <laughs> fucking love that scene with everything in my heart and soul. It is hilarious and weirdly hot every time, and I love it. But oh. if rage masturbating as, as like a bargaining chip that you're like, fuck you. Like if that doesn't do it for you, then like this book, this book is not gonna be for you. Yeah, it's not my kick. It's just not my kick. And I was reading it going like, what What are we doing? <laughs> I was reading it going like, this is what I came here for. <laughs> well, Megan Bob, speaking of what you came here for, what did your Sakui heart feel? A lot of things. I mean, boredom, because this book isn't really that good because it's trying to like just get the world building done and it's trying yeah, to establish yeah. a lot of stuff. So it's not like... Well, I was going to say it's not bumping and grinding. It's definitely bumping and grinding. But, you know, it's not trying to paint this big, interesting story. Georgie and Vectal are easily two of the most boring of them. So I don't I don't love it. But also a weird feeling of like coming home because I hadn't gone back to this series. I, whenever Ruby Dixon puts out a new book, I do usually read it. Um, Ruby Dixon puts out a book about every four months. Okay. Which it should come as no surprise. I think no. you can tell by the writing quality. This about a four month book. Yeah, um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, I enjoy them every time I go back. But I also like hadn't gone back to the beginning ever. I don't usually reread a romance novel, but I was sort of like, aww, it was bad, but also delightful in in the ways <laughs> that I find it delightful. So you know, <laughs> it's like coming home and realizing that. Oh, yeah, the things I still hated, still hate him. The things I still love, oh, still love him. So It's comforting in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right on. right on. And also a real fondness for that planet. Like, I like that this planet is just 
a mess as far as like being survivable and i kind of enjoy that yeah i think there are a lot of elements here that could have worked for me and it's it's really just with romance novels in a weird way my experience is kind of going to live and die on the characters it was my investment in the characters and their internal struggle and their struggles against one another like really got me into Duchess deal you know and with eris effect it was like i found the characters more interesting on their own than than together almost mm-hmm. i agree which is why that book was less sexy. But uh, the however I feel about the characters is really going to shape how I feel about the, the book and, and all the experiences of reading it. And the fact that Georgie and Vectile are just kind of not characters is, mm-hmm. uh, is makes it really hard for me. Okay, I get that. I can enjoy any romance novel pretty much if I like the characters enough. I'm interested enough in them. But I can also forgive a lot for a trope that I love. Yeah. Or a set of tropes that I love. And this book has nothing to recommend it on the character front. No. Not really ever in these series. The characters <laughs> are fine. But that trope, man, it gets me every time. I'm like, oh, oh, they're not going to have sex, but they want to so bad. It's so great. <laughs> Look at how unhappy they are. Uh, I, f- I just. You don't, uh, I don't know. I feel like some of the whole thing is taken away from me a little bit because it's like, it's kind of inevitable they're going to. And again, like, there's not a whole lot of characterization going on. So it's, I, I think I like it when, like, even the, the sex stuff is, like, tied into the, the plot and, like, to the character arcs. And, like, oh, yeah. So it's like, there was no drama for me in this book at all. I was like, okay, well, whatever. Like, She's going to get one and they're going to be together. Like, like, did I ever think there was no point where I was like, oh, no, maybe they're not going to. And like, I know it's a romance novel. So it's like, so it's that you're expected. Of course, they're going to be together at the end. But like, there's not even the illusion for me of like, you know, maybe they won't. Because like when I was reading Duchess Deal, you know, I knew like intellectually they're going to be together at the end. But like toward the end of that book, when he when he like tries to break it off with her, he's like, get out of my house or whatever. Or like I'm leaving. I was hit by that, you know, yeah. I was like, damn, like, how are they going to recover from this? I know they're going to, but how are they going to? And in this book, the answer is like, because aliens, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, all right, well, it's just not as compelling for me, you know? You're not wrong. I think the other problem with this series, as far as um, that, the sex isn't doing anything except being sex. Yeah. It's neither character building in any way. You're not learning new things about the characters through it, nor is it especially plot relevant the series could do hand wave it fade to black not even have it really and it would be about the same in terms of you know the plot outcome it wouldn't change anything the sex is just there to be a certain kind of sex and and if you're into that then it's very hot and if you're not into that then it's there's nothing here for you it is a wasteland yeah Yeah. and and i'm you know admittedly i'm definitely the kind of person who is like you know, man, I'm I'm really not into the story of this porn, you know, like, that's, I mean, that's that's, I get it. I get it. And I, I am so with you. And I would say that about everything except like <laughs> these certain tropes that I'm just like, fuck, yeah, I, I'll fair. read this trash fanfic. I don't care. That's fair. I feel like we're still like on the same page with most stuff. It's just that, you know, there is a, a thing that you will cross that Rubicon for. And I'm not I'm not there yet. All right. Um, well, I think that's probably about all we got for this bonus episode, right, Bob? Do we yeah. have anything else to, to cover? Uh, just the promise that I will bring you something that is much more Milesian in nature. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. After this one. 
We're definitely going back to the uh, the Regency well. I yeah, I because yeah. as it turns out, the only ones that I like that are good are Regency. I don't really <laughs> like stuff if it's modern or if it's sci-fi. Just direct me to the nearest trash can. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I hope this was okay for all you guys listening to this. Uh, sorry, it wasn't the usual effusive I love romance novels that we have done in the past, but it was. I thought it was still fun to talk about. I'm glad yeah. we I'm glad we did it. It was very enlightening in a lot of ways because I honestly hadn't realized that my experience was so tied to the characters before. So I think it really helps me kind of figure out what kind of romance novel I like. And, uh, yeah. and for, it's, it was a really valuable experience. And I'm, I was really happy to hear the reasons that you liked it. And I, and I, I had fun with our, our trope discussion. So yeah, thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we will see you again whenever I get those points. Bye. Aww. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Josh Baskey Huff said to me <laughs> that there was no contest in Smash Fiction of who was the horny one because I was willing to grub through the dirt and trash to find th- like gems of horniness. <laughs> and I was like, it's worth it to me. I'll do that. Like, I will <laughs> dig through this garbage can because I know that there are a few crumbs of like horniness in here that are really great and I want them. And like everyone else is going, why are you digging through this trash can? <laughs> and like, guys, you left this horniness on the table. That whole debate was was a moot point. I'm not the horny one in like a special way. I'm the horny one because I'm the most willing to eat garbage. <laughs> <laughs>